Yeah, fantastic. So obviously, welcome everybody to today's Digital Masterclass, focusing on paid advertising versus the machine. I think that this is possibly my favorite title of one of the webinars or uh, podcasts or masterclasses that we've done over the the last 18 months. Um, And it should be what I think will be a really interesting session uh, for a number of people out there. Uh, The role of automation is growing all of the the time across paid search and and, and paid um, activity generally. And I think, you know, we see a number of um, sort of claims made by the various platforms, such as get more value with less efforts, unlock more growth and greater efficiency and increase your conversions. You know, and we, we see sort of the search vendors making these claims about machine learning and automation through advertising platforms. But I think for us, sort of as an agency, and this, just to be crystal clear, we're not against automation at all. We think there's a role for automation, which we'll talk about throughout the session. For us, it's a case of sort of which automation, which machine learning to use, why and when. And hopefully we're going to take you through that journey today and and highlight a range of things that you should be considering, give you food for thought, but also give you an opportunity to ask any questions that you've got as you go through. You know, what I'd say is we don't have a one-size-fits-all model with with automation by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, without preempting sort of one of the key points here, it's always a case of test and learn, um, you know, and roll that out across the piece. So hopefully uh, we'll give you that insight into where you can do that, where you should do that, what are the key areas to focus on, and really why automation can help improve performance if used correctly. So today you've got myself, Dave Norris, the Performance Marketing Director here at MediaWorks, talking to you and hosting this session. You've also got Ben. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben Holman. I'm the head of page strategy at MediaWorks. And then we've also got Tom Chandler with us. Hi, everyone. I'm Tom. I'm the head of page search and shopping. So, as you can see, we sort of got three of the most senior people, three of the most senior people across the, the sort of performance marketing team here at MediaWorks to talk to you about what is becoming a an ever increasing topic, if you like, and something that continues to evolve. Tom and I, bizarrely, have literally just came off speaking about the client, talking about some automation uh, activity that we might look to roll out across their account as part of a test and learn approach. So I guess for me, Ben, I'm going to come to you first and say, for those that are listening in today, what is the current automation slash machine learning landscape within paid management? Um, well, it's probably best to start off talking about how long this has been around. So this isn't a new thing. Automation is not something that's, that's come out recently. It's been around for years, um, and it's ever-changing. You know, every year, every every kind of H1, H2, there'll be some kind of new automated product that, that Google and all of these other various platforms want us to start using. I think when it originally came out, everyone was slightly hesitant to start using it, you know, moving towards trusting a machine to do a lot of the the, the day-to-day work that, you know, marketers were, were kind of conducting. And it was a complete shift in the way that we would, the, the way that we would do our jobs, essentially, you know, a, a lot of it was being moved to a machine um, if we wanted it to at the time, of course, there's still an opportunity to do everything, you know, quite manually. But essentially, its role is to, to really help lighten the burden for, for marketeers. Um, and certainly, as it's kind of advanced over the last three or four years, it, it certainly seems that, that it is 
serving its purpose. Um, you know, like like you kind of touched on, David, it, it's something that, that we use. We aren't against it. And in a lot of cases, it, it's actually really beneficial to, to start having a look at this. But the real kind of technicality and the, the way that we as marketeers need to need to kind of strategize is around when and where to use it. Um, it's very easy to kind of pass everything over to a machine. But if, if it isn't done in the right way, then results are going to start to go downhill and you, you're not going to be able to turn that around you know, relatively quickly. So it's all about strategizing when <clears throat> excuse me when and where we can we can use those um you know more recently some of the, the recommendations that we're getting from various platforms and we'll talk about google in a lot of detail um are things around you know um auto applied recommendations so google can give you a list of of recommendations in their recommendations tab and kind of suggest that if you implement this then this will happen now it's it's not always as, as simple as that and, and sometimes those recommendations really do need to be taken with a pinch of salt uh, and we that that's where we come in we need to make sure that that action is the right thing at the right time for that specific campaign or ad group or set of keywords whatever the case may be because if it's not it, it's a lot harder to fix than it is to implement I think from my I think from my perspective, Ben, you've highlighted sort of range, you know, really valid points there. And I think that that definitely was the move, wasn't it? That we we sort of, you know, I, I remember coming to MediaWorks around eighteen months ago, and we were talking about the role of automation then. And I think some of some of the automation activities that that Google was rolling out at the time did feel very black boxy, you know, like i.e. You put in the information at the front end and you see what you get out at the back end and during the middle you don't really get a feel for sort of what had worked why it worked why something hadn't worked etc so i think that that was always one of our concerns but tom there has been some changes hasn't been made in this area recently that sort of are moving us away from that there's still a black box element but but sort of we're laying those fears yeah, I think, um, you know, I was one of the, the people that probably, you know, referred to the, the products that Google have, such as smart shopping or s smart display campaigns as being that black box. And kind of what I mean by that and what I guess the industry would refer to it like, like that was simply because if you think of sort of smart shopping campaigns, if you use um, that campaign type, you lose visibility of the search terms report, the audiences, placements, you kind of... The, essentially the control that you have on the campaign is very limited now if we're talking about managing campaigns of, at scale and we're talking about you know considerable budgets to invest sort of large amounts of media spend into a campaign that you can't see what is is going on is quite a high risk approach now as you kind of sort of highlight there david there have been some changes from google that you know i think we're progressing to a point where we'll probably need somewhere in the middle We've had conversation with with Google where we you know we're looking towards sort of um, I guess Q3 Q4 of this year where potentially we could see rollout of sort of that insight into the search terms report or some audience reporting the ability to add negative keywords that type of those types of updates from from Google I think are going to be really useful to sort of get advertisers and clients a little bit more comfortable with the you know using. A very heavily machine learning automated focused kind of campaign such as such as a smart shopping type product. And I think one of the, the big sort of things to note with that is that's a positive that that kind of we've taken away in terms of, you know, that is growth that we kind of hope to see in terms of 
agency side and Google working together that, you know, there are a lot of restrictions and limitations in place at the moment that if you're managing a big account, you know, you'd be very hesitant to kind of, you know, roll pure smart shopping out, for example, or, or something like that. Um, but as I say, with those kind of updates that, you know, are potentially in the pipeline, I think that is a positive, as I say, to a more like sort of harmonious way to kind of use the, the machine learning technology and kind of use one of the products that Google is pu pushing very hard on. Because I think that's one of the, the big points that I'm very conscious of is that the rate in which Google are rolling out these um, product updates and their sort of automation machine learning products and technology is it's quite a considerable pace. So if we aren't kind of proactive with challenging kind of things that aren't necessarily ideal, but I think the big thing, and you kind of touched on it at the start, is you know what we've deployed is very much that um, test and learn approach. It's not just a case of we don't want to do it, we're not going to do it, and we're kind of just going to ignore it. Because as I say the pace that Google are operating at, we, we can't be kind of, we wouldn't want to be left behind in terms of kind of adopting key products that, that Google are, are pushing out. So I think that's a really big focus and kind of hopefully an update and a slight moving away from that black box approach. Because, you know, saying that, if you are a small advertiser with a you know relatively small budget or you know sort of not much time on your hand, something like a, a smart shopping product, you know, that may be you know suitable you know for for you or your your business etc. But kind of the way we look at it in terms of you know managing campaigns, getting really stuck into the data and kind of you know growing the campaigns with that data driven focus, that's one of the limitations that that we had seen before. But as I say, hopefully some kind of positive. Um, updates coming in that regard but as i say that the main thing is you know that ultimately that test and learn approach in terms of how do we keep pace with with google and kind of the, the ongoing updates that they're continuing to roll out yeah and i think for me tom you know we've talked about sort of current automation tools you know fantastic you know like i can think of in, in every instance whether it be smart shopping or apply recommendations etc all of this automation that's been rolled out by the likes of google you know, has a, has a role to play. For me, it absolutely has a role to play. And, it, and the, the rollout of that technology isn't slowing down. The reality is the ability to synthesize and analyze that volume of data, data in micro moments to give us the best insight is frankly, one of the best bits of our job. You know, that's giving us that data and allowing us to make those strategic decisions is absolutely fantastic. But I think for me, it's, it's the, you know, if it doesn't work in every instance, savvy digital marketers won't dismiss a, t a tool simply based on a single failure. So, so for me, I want us to now move on to discuss sort of where automation should be considered, how it could be considered, and sort of where we see a sort of the main areas that you should be focusing on. So first up, I want to discuss one of the most long-standing areas, I think, of, of automation in our world, which is bid management. Ben? Uh, yeah, so I think this was the, the real kind of testing point for a lot of marketeers when automated bidding strategies were rolled out, you know, probably four or five years ago now. Um, everything that we did was manual, and, and this this was the biggest single shift that, that we had to try and face is Google are rolling out these machine learning automated bidding strategies. If we're going to roll these out, then, you know, is there going to be any real need for PPC marketers in the future? Um, that was certainly a question I was asking myself at the time. I didn't think I would have a job 12 months later. Um, however, it's it's just created a brand new dynamic for us all. And rather than us really focusing on, you know, those day-to-day -day manual changes, which, as Tom touched upon, if you're managing a you know an extremely large account with six or seven figure monthly budgets, changing single bids is, is going to take you a long, long time. And quite simply, you know, um, 
clients and, and, and companies demand more from that. They want insight. They want data-driven optimizations. And simply changing bids every now and then, you know, takes up a lot of time with, you know, very minimal outcomes. So, you know, um, bidding strategies are, you know, a, a huge part of day-to-day life within within paid marketing now you know it's something that we use quite a lot um however it has to be rolled out in the correct way um it, it has to be right for the client right for the account right for the campaign all the way down to the individual kind of keyword level um the, the real benefit of, of things like smart bidding and automated bidding solutions is everything is based on intent and the individual user so we all know that the the, the paid landscape right now it, it, it's an auction, it's a live auction. So optimizing these bids and changing them are simply to to make sure that you're a part of the auction. That manual side then you know didn't didn't really allow for maximum flexibility. Whereas automated solutions do allow for that. It's real time data based on real time intent. So you could be bidding for let's take a specific keyword. You know, let's say for example someone is looking for an Audi for sale just a generic kind of example. What you don't know is if that user is at the very, very start of their user journey or whether they're actually quite far into it because what you don't know is were they searching for a Jaguar or a Land Rover or, or some other kind of model of car previously. The intent is there. This person is in the market for a new car. But if you're using a manual solution, you just don't know where they are. Now, smart bidding solutions take that kind of data into effect. It will look at not you know necessarily look identically at a user specific search history but it will take what their their past engagement has been like how many other car sites have they been on what what's their kind of where do they fit within the conversion funnel right now the further down they are the likely they are to convert so in you know essence you could potentially pay more for that consumer and that's what smart bidding really allows us to do focus on intent and bid up based on where that user really sits within that conversion funnel. And then, and then Ben, I think you know when we, we talk about sort of intent, I think you know from my perspective, there's a number of sort of bidding strategies that you can then you know focus on, isn't there? As a result of this, so do you want to talk people through some of the more common ones that that, that we sort of see and why you might look to to use that bidding strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's there's multiple different ones that you can use, and they all have different techniques and different advantages and disadvantages, really, depending on what that campaign is and what that campaign's goal is. This is always something that we need to take into account. You know, if you're going after, let's say, if you're setting up a display campaign, which is very, very top of funnel, its goal is to generate awareness. The likelihood is that you want to create eyeballs, you want to get people seeing that piece of content or seeing that as... So if you then set a, a specific conversion goal assigned to it, which is very, very bottom of funnel, and then set something, let's say target CPA, which is target cost per acquisition, the the um, purpose of the campaign doesn't necessarily match the bidding strategy. So we kind of need to take both of those elements into account. Um, if we run through some of the bidding strategies, so I've already touched upon target CPA, which is based on target cost per acquisition. So you will have a specific conversion goal whether that be an online form being filled in, a phone call. We can even use this for purchases, but isn't necessarily something that is used often when it comes to purchases. There are other opportunities for for online retail and e-commerce. But Target TPA is one of the most common ones that you'll see. 
You then also have target ROAS, which is target return on ad spend, which I know Tom will talk quite a lot about being involved in, in shopping and the search side of things in a little bit, um, which is essentially you, you will have a specific target goal for um, you know what you would like to achieve for that specific campaign. So let's say you're advertising a range of T-shirts online and you know that you need to make a minimum of five to one return then you know your target ROAS really needs to be five to one or above. So Google will optimize towards consumers who they think will convert at that specific rate. Now, the higher you select that number, the lower the audience is going to be. You know, in a dream world, we all want to be converting at 20 and 30 and 40 to one. But in reality, it's unlikely to happen. We have to start a little bit lower, build up, build trust, and then allow the machine to learn. And that will systematically allow us to grow. Now, some of the other ones that you, you may see as well, uh, maximize clicks and maximize conversions, exactly what they say on the tin. Go after ex uh, you know as much traffic as physically possible for maximize clicks. Get as many conversions as possible for maximize conversions within our current budget. We also have things such as target impression share. Now, for you know anyone who, who hasn't really focused on impression share on the, on the session today, impression share is essentially the amount that you are eligible to show based on all searches for your specific queries. Now, you tend to see target impression share quite a lot for brand protection. It's something that we do quite a bit with some of our clients is if you want to dominate and you know competitors are bidding on your brand name, then target impression share is a good angle to go after to make sure that you are there as much as physically possible. Since we've lost kind of key metrics such as average position, this is one way we can leverage being at the top of the results page as often as possible. Um, it's the only way we can really optimize towards that kind of metric. So it's worth testing that and seeing if it works, not only for brands, there may be some other campaigns that you wanna, wanna test that on. The more upper funnel you go with that though, the harder that then becomes. Um, so you know you wanna you wanna test this in specific campaigns first of all, and then potentially potentially branch out to that. Um, it's quite a few of them. I'm trying to think whatever what, what other ones are. Okay. Maximize conversion value is another one. Sorry. Um, so we talked about maximize conversions. Maximize conversion value is for e-commerce. Get as much revenue as physically possible for my budget. And I think Tom may uh, speak about a few of those. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just to come in on it, I think, Ben, you make like all the, the points and kind of just to follow on from that, I think one of the points you made earlier is that, yes, when the, the automated bid strategy got rolled out, one of the concerns was that obviously it's taken away a role of, of managing sort of individual bids. What I would say is that as you kind of listed off there, there are a lot of bid strategies that you can choose. So therefore, selecting the suitable bid strategy and kind of setting it up, managing it in the most suitable way is a skill in itself. It's almost like that's the, the new kind of skill set and challenge that we're faced with. Things like are using the, the right bid strategies, obviously the, the main one, but things like learning periods. So if you're um, a big account, a large account, and you've got lots of conversion volume, et cetera, your, your, your sort of learning period is gonna be much shorter, potentially sort of one or two days for that um, campaign bid strategy to learn your objectives and the performance potential. But if you are a smaller account, that learning periods can be up to two weeks. So therefore being able to optimize and manage and have selected the correct bid strategy, that is, is you know, a really important part that needs to be considered. One of the, the kind of areas that, that I've of, often seen and, and you know, speaking to my peer set is that they'll kind of run a bid strategy for a few days. It hasn't worked, they'll switch it off. Automated machine learning doesn't work. That's not, again, that is not the sort of the most suitable approach to be had in terms of managing the campaigns, but also like utilizing the machine learning technology. And kind of one of the, the points Ben makes is that the, 
selecting the most suitable bid strategy again is a really important consideration i've had many sort of conversations um with with clients that are struggling to you know get performance to work and it's a case of our, our minimum minimum return on investment is sort of a five to one we're achieving a two to one but when kind of looking through the the setup it's using things like maximize conversion value which takes no sort of um, input or consideration about a return investment target. Google's objective in that scenario is to drive you as much revenue as possible. So that when you start to move towards a more ROAS um, or sort of acquisition focused model, you start to then hit your objectives. Now, as I say, that is something that, you know, many people do struggle with and kind of the way that, that I teach sort of team is that to think of it as like a sort of a flow chart of a decision-making process you know are you focused on revenue or, or volume of sort of sales or conversions and therefore factoring in different sort of you know areas from profitability in terms of that cost practition minimum threshold you have to hit or that you know minimum return investment target that you have to hit and therefore at a product level service level all of those factors need to be considered when efficiently and effectively using things like smart bidding because you know the technology is you know it, it's a game changer it has changed how campaigns can run and the potential they can get but they, there are still a number of areas that must be kind of understood and, and kind of considered when when rolling things out because otherwise um you know quite simply you'll you'll you won't get the performance you want if you don't fully understand the potential or what the, the objectives of the campaign are yeah i think that rounds off off the point that ben made right at the beginning really really well actually in the sense that i think when when automation arrived a lot of people in the ppc world thought oh it's the end of what they would do because google is going to make all of these decisions for them the reality is is automation, if you like, and we've used this expression before, does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. You know, like if you're going in and you're running an account, you've got multiple campaigns within that account, it allows you to set sort of bidding uh, approaches within each of those campaigns. And, and you know, you can set that and it works towards that. So it's doing the, the heavy lifting that you would expect that used to be sort of that manual bidding approach that we talked about. But I think that where where this automation, as in much of the rest of life, when you think about automation, allows you to do is it frees up that time for us to actually think strategically about, well, actually, where should I employ that? And why should I employ that there? And what's the right move? Because as you say, it's very different for an account that's established to a very new account, a very large retailer to a very small retailer, um, an established product set versus a new product set. And all of those are key variables, which we obviously take into account as we're making those decisions. So I think from my perspective, it's about understanding the implications of each of those decisions, not about whether you use the technology or not, because I think the answer is you're probably going to use the technology anyway. You know, you're probably going to use an element of machine learning through smart bidding. So, you know, for me, it's about that strategic piece. And that's what we're focused on a lot of the time is, is you know, where, to, if you like, roll out this technology, where to roll out this, this automation. I think... From my perspective, the next point I wanted to come on to was, and we touched on it there, was, was keyword targeting. So how do we manage and optimize and refine keywords through search with the use of machine learning is definitely one of the biggest challenges uh, faced following recent updates. I think one of those updates I'd be highlighting would be things like sort of broad match modifier versus phrase match, etc. So Tom, do you want to come in and talk about about the role of targeting and the keyword element of automation, how we can use it to, to really drive campaign performance. Yeah, so so with the, the recent updates that Google has made, essentially discontinuing broad match modifier and keyword targeting and essentially making it behave like phrase, has, has meant it, it's going to start to make advertisers 
either not go after that broader range of traffic and just stick to exact match and, and phrase match traffic. But realistically, what, what we're expecting to happen is the um, sort of a greater uptick in terms of the adoption of broad match keyword targeting. Now, historically, broad match, pure broad match targeting was not really something that was widely used just simply because of its functionality in the sense that it would capture very broad searches and therefore the quality of the traffic wasn't really wasn't really the best, which is why people sort of um, sort of adopted and used broad match modifier a lot more. So this, to be honest, is a is another kind of update and way Google are looking to move us closer towards broad match and kind of you know that that kind of uh, area that they want us to move into. Now thinking about the the machine learning side of it, we have a, a keyword update where we're going to be targeting broad matches. And through the use of kind of the machine learning technology, et cetera, being able to understand how that is going to change your campaign performance is going to be quite significant because if you are targeting broad match searches now, as I say, one of, one of the good things that it kind of has is that you are able to capture a wide range of searches that are sort of relevant in the context to your business or service. The negative is, as I kind of said, you can generate traffic that isn't the most reliable. And in addition to one of the updates Google made probably within the last 12 months is that they are reducing the visibility of the search terms report for lower spending sort of searches. So you kind of like you put those um, factors together and you've got a bit of a perfect storm for potentially a high amount of wasted spend, which again, it's why it's really important to understand what this update is and also how to use the machine learning technology to kind of better manage the, manage the campaigns. One of the, the, the big areas that, that we've kind of, you know, looked to focus on with this is that, you know, as I've sort of been quite clear in, in terms of, you know, that test and learn approach is going to be massively important in terms of how we adapt and deal with this update um, from Google. With kind of that in mind, one of the things that I guess we're continuing to kind of push on is the A-B testing approach. So at the moment, the, the current broad match modified terms that you potentially have in your account they're not going to be removed. They're essentially just going to be transitioned over to behave like phrase match. So they're not going to be deleted from the campaigns. They're just, the search behavior will become a little bit more refined. So therefore, one of the things that, that we've kind of started to do in a number of our accounts as to sort of react to this update is to roll out lab tests within the account. What that allows us to do is quite simply be able to see the performance changes off the back of it in terms of the changes potentially in CPCs, click-through rate, and also overall performance from that sort of broad match, phrase match um, keywords we have now to what potentially we're looking to roll out. What that's allowed us to do is get the learnings that we need to take forward from a bid strategy perspective and kind of overall machine learning automation perspective, because one of the key things to remember with, with broad match, and this again is an update from Google, is broad match terms will also take into account the landing page someone is sending to, to match with those searches. So again, that's a, a really important sort of area to remember and focus on when managing and optimizing performance for the fundamental reason of avoiding any types of sort of um, wasted spend fundamentally. So as I say, from, a, from an A-B testing perspective, this is something that is really key in that, that we've deployed in a number of our kind of larger accounts due to the significance of this update. And what that means we can do is, as I say, develop those learnings from, from a machine learning automate, automation perspective, but also things like beginning to sort of build out an extensive negative keyword list is going to be paramount to be able to get the benefits that broad match, you know, absolutely has, but to try and mitigate as much as possible the negatives that can often be associated with that. And I think 
that's kind of one of the the really you know big things again between managing the performance of an account in terms of what Google is rolling out with their product updates that you know their focus is to sort of drive sort of traffic and, and searches and, and spend through the account and that therefore is quite you know quite a significant update and kind of that's one of the ways that we're looking to approach that on a sort of a scaled up approach. Yeah, Ben, I want to just cover you actually on, on that a bit more in terms of in terms of sort of what does that mean then? Because we, we, we you know, Tom's made a whole host of really good points there around sort of developing negative keyword lists. But on a on a day to day basis, what would sort of your, your your practical tips be around around that sort of SQR and and sort of not having the necessarily the the full visibility and you know the targeting capabilities being restricted somewhat. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, you know, one of our key recommendations that, that we always suggest is that SQR should be the fundamental part of every single campaign that you run. Um, that, you know, that should be the first thing that you check when you go into accounts. You know, we, we need to make sure the relevancy is as high as physically possible. It's Google's main indicator across any campaign. How relevant are you to your keyword, to the ad, to the landing page? And if you aren't relevant, you simply get punished for it. It's as simple as that. So making sure that your SQR is in perfect condition or as up-to-date as it possibly can be and making sure that you keep that as part of your process, you know, is really, really important. Now, obviously, the difficulty is, as Tom kind of mentioned, is some of that data has been disappearing. You know, uh, percentages of the SQR are missing from the, the Google Ads interface. Um, the alternative solution that you've got is you can get access to a little bit more data um, through Google Analytics. So using uh, there's a search query um, section within Google Analytics where you can go and get some additional data. Now, correlated between the two is quite a difficult job, and it is quite manual. But if you feel like the, the information or the data set that you're missing is that important, then absolutely go and have a look. Spend some time in GA. Get that keyword data. Um, and see what you can, you know, do off the back of this. If there's a, a large amount of spend with zero conversions being generated, and that's from a data set that's missing from Google Ads, then absolutely go and have a look at analytics and, and try and correlate the two and see how you can make performance improvements. It's not ideal. It's a manual job, but it's something that we all kind of have to essentially get used to and, and integrate into our day-to-day -day kind of work. Yeah, I think I think the point that you made there about the search query results is absolutely massive. You know, it's, it is a fundamental piece of of what we do and how we do it. You know, we want to make sure that that the keywords we understand that we have an understanding of the keywords that are driving performance. And I think that leads nicely on the final point that I want to cover around this automation piece, which is around ad copy and creative. So I think that. For me, when people sometimes look in on PPC, it became very much a, a data-driven approach. It was about getting the numbers to stack up, about you get a certain amount of volume, you bid aggressively on those, those um, sort of keywords to get that volume, they convert a rate X. But actually, there's quite a lot more to it than that. And I think the role for me of, of creative and the different ad types that you can now push through the platform um, has really sort of changed uh, the way and the focus of what we do. So an area I wanted to cover you, Tom, on was, was sort of, you know, talk about the different sort of ad copy and creative options that you can get and why sort of AI is having an impact on that. 
Yeah, so from a from an ad copy perspective, as you kind of rightly say, I think you know a lot of the time we are so data driven and focused, etc., that maybe that that creative side of it, you know, I've, I've often seen it as potentially being overlooked. But from like a Google perspective, things like responsive display ads, dynamic search ads, and responsive search ads are three of the the, the core sort of um, machine learning um, automated types of ads that are, are so powerful within an account. One of the biggest reasons being from a responsive perspective display and search is the ability to A-B test a variety of different headlines and descriptions. If we think about um, kind of before these ads were sort of rolled out 18 months to sort of two years ago, is we just had expanded text ads where it was up to us to sort of A-B test different ads, expanded text ads, and sort of check back on the results in two weeks, three weeks time, depending on how much sort of what, how much data you had essentially. But if we think about how, how these ads can work, they're essentially A-B testing on every search query, different combinations of the headlines, the descriptions, the messaging that ultimately has been shown to a consumer. An example of how this could function is that if you have two consumers, one is interested in free delivery, potentially one that is interested in, let's say, recyclable packaging, some, something like that. In the responsive search ad um, scenario, Google would tailor the messaging to that customer to essentially match what their sort of search and, and kind of purchase behavior is like and what, what they are ultimately sort of interested in to ultimately mean that the user is being shown the most relevant and suitable message for them. So that's a level of sort of automation and machine learning that is remarkably powerful in being able to drive improvements in performance because not only does it mean that we are A-B testing, which is obviously fantastic, and it means that we can get the, the best copy out there, but it also means that you know we are able to deliver a much better sort of performance and user experience to customers, which in turn will sort of help the campaign significantly more. And you know, in my opinion, one of the, the key things with this and that that sort of continuous rollout of, of Google's updates is that you know responsive search ads and, and, and display, et cetera, are likely over the next sort of 12 months going to be sort of the core or maybe even the only types of ads that you can use. So I think it, a big thing with that is being able to understand that's the roadmap that we're essentially on and also how useful they are in being able to kind of adapt performance and adapt the, the messaging that you're telling the, the customer to ultimately ensure that the message the customer is seeing is the most relevant to them based on the data that's been driven. So I think from that perspective, the machine learning side of it has, has been massive from that test and learn piece because we're always ensuring that if something doesn't work, it's not been pushed out there, but something that does work is kind of, it, it takes the, the center stage ultimately with a with performance focus in mind. Yeah, I think for me, I, I, I come full circle in the start of this and say that, you know, I think people have to understand what Google are trying to drive. Like Google are trying to drive two, two things, like fantastic user experience so that somebody sees the, the, the most relevant items, topics that, the, that relate to the search query that they've put in. Right? That's what they want to do. And the reason they want to do it, for me, is always around, look, because they know people are getting what they want from their platform, they're not going to another platform to search, and then they're going to, you know, and then advertisers are going to spend more aggressively because there's more people in that space that you can then go for, except So it becomes that sort of virtuous circle. I think for me, sort of this, this ad copy and the creative element of it, there's been a real sort of step change from Google in particular in terms of, as you say, it might be that we, we only have sort of responsive ads going forward. They want to move away from it people manually putting in your H1s, your H2s, et cetera, because actually they know from their machine learning that 
they typically drive worse performance. And remember, what they're trying to do, if you go back to what they're trying to drive is, they're trying to drive better performance so that you spend more, that you get more in platform and the user ultimately gets more of what they want to see. So, you know, for me, this scenario where there's a massive scalable opportunity. Ben, have you got anything that you want to talk about in that space? Yeah, I think um, usually when it comes to, you know, new changes or new product rollouts or anything like that, I could be a little bit pessimistic about this. However, I think the change with DSA and, and RSA kind of potentially becoming the primary ad types moving forward, I love that idea. I think it's great. I think RSAs and DSAs are two of the most important factors in any ads account. You know, if you take DSA, for example, it gives you unparalleled insights. You know, something that we always try and work on with our clients is we want to cover every basis. We're experts in what we do. They are experts in what they do. And we need to have that relationship to make sure that we cover everything. At some point, something may get missed. You know, uh, a user might call something, something a little bit different to what we may call it or what the client may call it. So DSA allows us to capture that data and, you know, it allows us to capture odd searches. So, you know, not necessarily something that is searched frequently. If it isn't searched frequently enough, Google won't allow you to rank for it anywhere as a target keyword. But if it's triggered by DSA, it will be picked up. So essentially, it allows you to grow a little bit of market share somewhere that you might not have ever even thought of before or, or from a range of terms that you haven't thought of or, or even integrated. So I think DSA is really, really important. RSA just takes away a load of that constant ad copy creation. You know, probably four or five years ago when you were creating, you know, when expanded text ads came out, the, the optimization tools that you had were either, you know, rotate indefinitely, which wasn't optimizing towards a conversion, or optimized towards conversions, which was great. We all wanted to generate more conversions, but that really kind of pulled back the amount that you could A-B test because there's always going to be one ad that outperforms everything else. So if you then want to start testing new ads, you have to revert back to rotate indefinitely and then optimize for conversions. And it was it was just a boring cycle. Um, if doing that every month, every three months, whereas RSAs really give us the power to get thousands of different um, ad sets relatively quickly, allows us to get more data. We can implement those as ETAs and then take them out of RSAs and you know keep building those and just getting more and more data because. Essentially, users are changing. We change. Our search habits are changing. And we need to adapt to that. And our content and the ads that we put in front of people also needs to adapt. And RSA, in my opinion, is the best way to, to react and adapt as quickly as possible. And I think for me, finally on that, is, is you're still getting the data the other side. You know, this isn't this isn't then a black box approach. It's not, it's not, or you just get a result. You can actually see what's driving those results, and it may challenge you to think. You know what? Um, I didn't realize people were searching for that. Like, I had no idea that, that 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 term there was being searched for, that query there was being searched for, um, which then in turn may allow you to sort of build out that element of your campaign. You know, and, and it, again, it's little things like you know how you evolve an account and grow it over a period of time because these little takeaways through things like the search query uh, report are going to give you sort of that insight so that you can then build out based upon, well, what has actually worked, what did convert, what did drive, highest average order value, best cost uh, cost per acquisition, et cetera. So I think it's all forms part of this, this blend, if you like, but it's about understanding sort of which elements to play upon and which elements to play at any given time because I think that, 
you know, it can be a bit overwhelming when you first step into an account. And one of the things we wouldn't advocate is just just go along with all the Google recommendations. Like, don't definitely don't do that. Would be my my advice and guidance. But what I would say is learn more about the technology that's available for you out there and think about how you can actually use that technology and the the automation to really drive performance. Because as the guys have highlighted, automation is fantastic. It does the heavy lifting. But actually where the value, the real value driver, the real differential now is going to be around who can strategize best, who can use the technology the best to actually drive top line performance. So I think for me, I want to just sort of finish by in the way that we always finish with sort of summarizing the five actionable takeaways. I think for me, the first one would be automation's been around for a while. You know, it's not a brand new thing, uh, but it's definitely here to stay. You know, we are a Google premier partner. We work very closely with Google, sort of I speak with them on a weekly basis, our representatives. Um, all we hear on a quarterly basis is about updates around sort of automation solution and AI and machine learning. You know, think about the data that they've got. What they're trying to do is to put that to best effect to drive ultimately activity online. Um, smart bidding, you know, is quite well sort of honed and use it does use sort of multiple signals to support effective keyword bidding in frankly a way that manual bidding can't. You know, we talk about those micro moments. We talk about sort of making decisions based on a number of, of, of signals. I think understanding the bit that Ben highlighted around, you know, user intent and being able to identify users based on intent means that smart bidding definitely will drive performance improvements in your campaign. Again, it's about which smart bidding um, sort of uh, approach uh, technique, if you like, to adopt. Three, I think... So it's worthwhile reiterating the discontinuation of, of broad match modifier and the impacts that that would have. So for me, it's like, you know, think about, you know, the role of phrase match, but also going back to what Ben said, really understand your, 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 you know, your search query report and your search query results. For me, it's absolutely crucial that you have an understanding of what's driving performance and, and you know, build out your campaigns based around that. Fourth would be A-B testing, sort of required through keyword targeting. And that linked in nicely with developing an extensive key, uh, negative keyword list on the back of that. So understand what is working, understand what isn't working, and then exclude what isn't working. That'll allow you to refine your campaign. And then finally, sort of, you know, we talk about the data, we talk about machine-based learning, normally from a numerical perspective in what we do. But I think one of the points that we've made is creative can't be overlooked. You know, the role of creative is absolutely massive. Um, you know, use AI to see what actually works. And, you know, the idea that you can now test different creatives and add, and add copy in real time is fantastic. It does mean that you're constantly evolving, constantly re-evaluating. And the role of, of RSA and DSA will be of increasing importance. I think it's our expectation that a number of other sort of uh, ad types and ad formats are going to be discontinued in the near future. So I think for me, it's about getting to understand the role of RSA and DSA and then moving forward based based upon primarily those two, are, the two areas. Um, I think finally, I just want to finish by saying thank you very much for, for listening today. Hopefully you've got sort of insight that you can take away and put into your campaigns or things that you can learn from or areas to consider. Um, we do have another masterclass next week. Um, so again, as always, do stay tuned and we'll see you at Tuesday next week at 11.30. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.